Hello and welcome to the Paranormal Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. As always, I'm JT, and I'll be your tour guide as we explore the unexplained. Well folks, that music in the background should give you an idea about what tonight's episode is going to be about. This is the second part of the amazing conversation I had with Al from Forum Borealis. And it was an amazing conversation, and I'm very thankful that Al took the time to come on the program because I am quite a small fish in comparison to Forum Borealis. And uh, not only was Al an excellent guest, but he also gave me lots of advice and was very helpful, and I appreciate the support of people like that. Again, folks, uh, I did put out an update uh, yesterday, but I do apologize for this episode being so late. But I've been rather ill. And then when I sat down yesterday to get this edited and uploaded, I was saying, oh, hang on, I think there was more than an hour left. And then I found another hour-long section that I had to go through and edit. As with most people, as I go along here, I get better and better at what I do. But some of these early interviews, I mean, this was from about six months ago. So some of these earlier episodes, I didn't quite have the volume mastery down with guests in it. And so, as always, we're always learning and evolving here at the Paranormal Sun, as I hope that most of you do in your day-to-day life. I mean, we all have to learn, right? But anyway, I do appreciate the kind words from everyone and the people being concerned about my health. Thank you uh, very much. I do appreciate it. But as a very close friend of mine always said, and I stole his saying because I love it so much, it's hard to kill a weed. And I'm definitely a weed. It's hard to kill me. Uh, But I will admit, I felt pretty drained. But I feel better now. That's the main thing. Now, on this episode, we're not going to get into the news of the damned simply because the rest of Al and I's conversation was two hours. And it was good enough. I didn't want to butcher much out of it for the sake of brevity. So we're not going to do a news of the damned segment. I do apologize for that. I know there are some things going on, but that news will hold, I'm sure. Uh, One other thing, I just wanted to say a few very quick shout outs aside from my normal of thanking you, the listeners, and everyone listening to this. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to what I have to say. I want to give a few special shout-outs to a couple of chapter presidents. So, Chris in Illinois, happy birthday. I know it's a few days late, but man, happy birthday. And time flies, doesn't it? Seems like uh, it was only a few years ago we were sitting there reading different books or philosophizing, and now here I am on the airwaves putting out this program, and there you are being the family man and raising an astounding son in Max. And it's great to see, and I'm cherishing every moment of it. So, my brother, I'm sorry I can't be there with you, but happy birthday from the bottom of my heart. And to Nico in Texas. Adrian and Nico, massive supporters of the program, like I say, took the time to send me a beautiful care package from the U.S. Thank you so much, and Nico, happy birthday, man. I'm sorry this is a little bit past your birthday, but honestly, I couldn't do it without what you and your mom have done, so thank you so much. Appreciate it, and thanks for giving me some excellent Girl Scout cookies to keep me fueled and going. And then one last shout-out to an old friend of mine who I caught up with on social media here today, to Jason and his family in Illinois, and especially to Travis. Thank you so much for showing an interest in what I've done. I mean, I've known I've known you, Jason, for, what, 30 years plus now? Yeah, well, about 30 years we've known each other. And uh, it is funny how these things happen. 
And Jason, Jason's older brother and I were quite firm and fast friends when I was uh, in my late teens. And we always used to sit there and we used to talk about it. You know how it is when you're sitting with friends and you're just kind of spitballing dreams and things you'd like to do. And we always talked about having a bit of a pirate radio station. And he'd actually gone into all the work of looking up what you'd have to do to get a broadcasting license and everything else. And we just wanted to play music. And lo and behold, here we are, what, 20, 20 plus years later, 25, 26 years later, and here I am on the airwaves. So I'd like to think that uh, he's looking down on me from heaven um, or wherever he may be, wherever he is, I do hope he's in peace. And um, I, I really do feel he'd be proud of me. And Jace, uh, thanks for reaching out and talking to me, man. And we'll be in touch more and more. And Jason's got some excellent stories of his own we may be sharing in future, folks. We'll just see. As always, there's never any pressure here on the Paranormal Sun to get people to tell their stories, but it is an open format and open venue. If there is something that you're interested in me covering, get a hold of me. If you've got your own stories and you want to record it and send it through, send it. If you'd rather I read it, send it through. I'll read it on air. Not a problem one. And aside from that, my friends, again, just thank you so much. I hope that you're all doing well in your neck of the woods. And I hope you enjoy the rest of this excellent conversation with Al from Norway. It was great. And Forum Borealis, like I say, it is a deep delve show. It's definitely something that, number one, don't think you're going to go on there for half an hour and, and find out what it's all about. Because, I mean, most of those episodes are two, three, four hours long. And that's just what I love. And also, it's just rabbit holes. You can just go down so many rabbit holes on Forum Borealis, but it's a great program. And like I say, I'm not just saying that because Al was on the program. I've been listening to Forum Borealis for, oh, since it, about 2015, 16. And it's one of the things that really fueled me to do The Paranormal Sun. So aside from that, like I say, if you do want to reach out, you can reach out to me on social media. The Paranormal Sun, so the underscore paranormal underscore sun on Instagram is probably the best place. You can go in the show notes of each episode, and there's a link that says you can follow and support the show here. And if you click on that link, it will take you everywhere you want to go, anywhere you want to find me, basically. Or, like I say, just go to the Instagram page and go in the profile, and you'll see a link there. Click the link, and then you can basically go anywhere you want to go through that it'll take you to just about anything from the website um, anywhere you want to you want to go and find me basically so with all that said thank you my friends thank you everyone uh wednesday i will have an episode um like i say with this coming out so late i'm not sure yet probably you're gonna get a big helping of the news of the damned since i couldn't squeeze it into this episode but we shall see but there will be something for you on wednesday all right all right, everyone, take care, have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. The views and opinions expressed by guests on the Paranormal Sun are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoint or the position of JT, the Paranormal Sun, or Tower Studios New Zealand. Uh, now we're in a similar situation with the COVID. Yep. It's a new 9-11, not in terms of you know, who did it or deaths or whatever, but in terms of how easy can we yeah. now yeah. Uh, twist or, or turn around stuff on, on its head in, in the normal society and get away with it permanently. That's the shock yes. doctrine. 
use the paraplex and the fear and the disorientation and the uh, martial law kind of fever that is reigning to implement permanent changes that you never could get away with in a normal society. And that's not even a conspiracy theory. That's just the doctrine itself. Yeah. And then we see it's being implemented. And then you can say, then it's fair to say, no, it's not sinister that they're doing it. But you can't discuss yeah. that they're doing it. But you can't try to excuse it or even um, legitimize it. But you yes. cannot deny that it's happening. And of course, most people will realize that, of course, uh, powerful interests are trying to seize the moment, like they have making themselves richer, killing yeah. off the middle class, taking over entire um, uh, work, uh, what's it called, labor's professions, yes. um, yeah. looting the, the public yeah. Yeah. treasury, um, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And, and, and it's not going to be long until, you know, I don't believe they will force FEDOS vaccines. Like, I don't think, at least not in my country, I don't think right. you will have the police on the door. No, same here. Forcing yeah. a shot in you, but it will be like, oh, you're going to take a plane? Okay, <laughs> yeah. show me your vaccine card. Well, well, you see, they were talking about that in the UK, and there was discussion. To me, it was almost like they were putting it out there in the public forum to see what the reaction yeah. would be. Yeah. They were discussing that health passport, and immediately when the people came out and railed against it, they said, oh, well, we, we never said we were going to do that for sure. It was just up for discussion. And But but like you say, okay, give it's it another – things by. Yeah, yeah give, give it another few years. I mean, when I was in school, it seems like so long ago now, we used to say – I mean, I, I had some friends who were pretty onto it at that time. And we used to jokingly always talk about uh, America becoming the Fourth Reich. And in retrospect, obviously, it, it wouldn't be. It would be more like the Fifth because it's Nazi <laughs> International. But uh, honestly, Al, I, I, I truly wish that joking about it back then uh, never would have seen how far it's moved in that time. Uh, when when we were growing up, I I don't know if it's just a matter of circumstances and and the powers that be taking advantage but we i always had a very strong feeling at least myself that they would not try to push any agendas too far while the world war ii population were still alive in you know as as a group right because they right. wouldn't put up with it they would say hang on we're the ones who went to europe we're the ones that went to the pacific and fought and died you're not going to tell me I must stay inside or, you know, so be it. But obviously, almost all of them are gone now. And yeah. the the generations that have followed, none of us really dealt with anything like that. Even you talk about uh, wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and that, uh, the vast majority of those soldiers are almost conscripts or they get citizenship by coming to the U.S., signing up for eight years and going and fighting like the, the Roman... Uh, the Roman Empire, you know, if if you go away and you fight, well, when you come back after eight years, if you're not dead or completely scrambled mentally from being off killing people, then we'll we'll give you citizenship. So, and then you have black water. That's an interesting and point else. because yeah. 2001 was uh, at that point everyone who was involved in the war generation, the silent generation, they were by then retired. Yeah, yeah, everyone. Yeah. So most dead. 
Uh, but most retire when they're retired, they don't have any say. Yeah, they don't. A lot of times, don't even know what's kind of going on with the news no. in general. Yeah, right, exactly. So that's a very fair point. Yeah, I when 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 I was a boy and I went and interviewed those people from the World War Two generation. At that time, the 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 two big contentious topics that they were very strongly. Uh, aligned about was one was uh, free speech rights. Oh yeah, free free speech definitely. The the first one was uh, Pearl Harbor. If at that time oh. you ever would have mentioned that, oh well, you know, like me personally, uh, again mm. I've said it before. I personally I have no doubt that Pearl Harbor was at the very least allowed to happen. That there mm. were people in the U.S. government that knew what was going on and basically allowed it to happen to get the U.S. into the war, and there's been proof that there were Japanese spies. As you were saying, so many of these things now, it's a matter of public record. It's not even conjecture. Yeah. There were Japanese mm -hmm. spies sitting there at the at the German diplomat in Hawaii's, uh, in, in Pearl Harbor, sitting there writing down all of the plans, what the U.S. Navy was doing when they were having these dress rehearsals for a Japanese attack, and sitting there, literally, they followed it so much to the T, they didn't bomb the fuel uh, storage because the Americans, when they did the dress rehearsal, they didn't bomb the fuel. And the but these people back then in the eighties, if you would have said that, no, 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 Pearl Harbor. You know, I had friends who died, or I knew uh, a cousin's brother, you know, who who died. And then the other one was obviously the atom bomb because to them, mm -hmm. in their mind, they said, well, yeah, maybe a few hundred thousand people died, but they were the aggressors. They started the war. And also think of all the people who would have died if it wouldn't have happened. And again, uh, with 9-11, that, like you were saying, that's that's the perfect point. When 9-11 happened, and you're absolutely right, in the U.S. for several years after, you couldn't discuss anything uh, anti-government or, or even in the slightest form. So, you know, okay, mm. we went into Afghanistan. Even if you said something like, oh, well, why didn't we try um, a blockade or something like that? Oh, you would have been pilloried for it. You can't mm -hmm. say that. You're, you know, and the the definitely the patriotic drums were beating. And I, I remember, remember what happened to Bill Maher, right? Yes, yes. Disgusting yes. guy, but he yeah. he said back then he said uh, something in the which is completely Ron Paul came and said it later. Yeah. And then it then people realized it was true. But he said, hey, when we asked for it. I, I I mean, he bought into the Muslim fundamentalist right, uh, right. Uh, story, right? But yeah, we uh, that's what we get for. We had the chance to negotiate with the uh, Taliban, blah, 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 blah. And so, um, yeah, we asked for it. Oh, he says we deserve it. <laughs> you know, this is the same uh, kind of uh, emotionally based yes. herd mentality that's always been around, right? That's how they trump up the cruise crusader yep, uh, yep. campaigns that's how uh, back in second world war it was the same thing right you, and, and that's oh, yeah. what they're doing the the silent generation are just rehashing the talking point that they were propagandized to buy into when they say stuff like that about pearl harbor or yeah. about and, and and we see the same thing happen with the 911 as that generation now is mature right and you yeah. can't that's been it's like they get angry if you i just had a editor on editor-in-chief like old school newspaper okay guy in a show called science of the media times and 
I cover him because I think he's the only, only honest editor in the entire Norway. <laughs> and he's tried okay. to have critical uh, articles, not conspiracy theories. I mean, investigative journalists, yeah. scientists, you know, just objective, sober analysis of it. And uh, people were calling for him to be arrested and stuff. <laughs> the emotional kick pushback is so big. And 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 the same is probably going to happen with COVID. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when the fearfuls, I'm guessing after a vaccine, it fears somewhat. Then then we'll start getting more. You know, climate will accept more criticism and, yes. and stuff and, and and jokes and stuff. Not too early for jokes anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then it will end up as uh, you can't discuss it. It's uh, one of the dogmas of history. Well, despite having a small period of debate and criticism. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if it follows the same playbook as 9 11 and other big, uh, you know, culture and generation shaping events. No, I, I look, I, I fully agree. And the thing to me that's so interesting is because people are so entrenched with it, as you say, with so many of these kind of, let's call them, uh, flashpoints or pivotal points in history or of course the old dogmas of religion and politics and um, the bottom line is to me you can think part of a and part of b but people don't see it that way either you're on this side of the line or you're on that yeah. side of the line so for example my personal opinion on it is covid could very well be 100 percent natural uh, bad luck bad timing that it's gotten loose and and ran around the world if you look at it from a scientific view, sooner or later, something like this was going to happen with a virus. Mm. Now, at the same time, I can have that opinion, and I can also say, okay, why has it always taken four to ten years to develop a vaccine, and now you're telling me that in nine months you have a vaccine uh, complete, and oh, it's one, don't worry, it's no issues, no side effects, anything else. And yet, if you state that, People say, oh, no, you must be on that side or you must be on this side because yeah. we're so close, as you say, to that point in history uh, down the line in 10 years or something. We don't know what will come. But if you look back at it that way, well, people will say, well, that's a logic way to think of it. But right now, oh, Lord, you can't. Oh, no, you're you're anti mm. you're anti mask. You you, you want everyone uh, who's sick to die um, or on the other side. Oh, you're against all the freedoms because you say that this could. Yeah, it's. And of course, like I say, uh, sometimes I forget some of the things that we've even lived through in our lifetimes and seen some of the things like uh, 9-11 and the Iraq invasion, the Afghan invasion, and some of these other things. And, and you, you think, well, we we have that benefit of hindsight to look back at it. And, and oftentimes I forget there's two whole generations, basically, the millennials, and that, that don't have that luxury to have lived through that. Um, yeah to be able to look at it retrospectively and say, this is very similar to this event. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what you said, uh, yeah, you can think it's natural or some think it's Mother Nature's revenge, right? Yeah. But it's not like you have to buy an entirely fabricated and, yeah. and worked out dogmatic uh, uh, paradigm just to be critical of aspects of COVID. For example, you can think that it's natural and still realize, hey, they're seizing upon it. Yes. Right. Yes. Just like, just like if it actually 
it was uh, just terrorists uh, who wasn't involved with CIA, etc. They would still seize upon it to yeah. implement uh, the national security state and the shock doctrine, which was in the works for years before that, by the way. And the same way you could say with the, there's so many aspects with the COVID, like the market was starting to crack even before COVID. Yes. But what a great uh, cover <laughs> for the COVID. Oh, yeah. Me personally, I'm um, I'm going back and forth between the pandemic and the bioweapon thing. Yeah. Um, and those two are very hard to reconciliate because either there's nothing to see here, move on folks. Yeah. But we try to scare you. It's a pandemic. Or, you know, it's actually a, a, a destructive virus thing and uh, we have to... Uh, but, you know, the problem, you, you just spo- uh, pointed to it spot on. It's the polarization. It's it's more dumbed down than ever. Back in the day, I mean, from the Second World War, well, uh, no, from the 60s to, I would say, the 90s, there was a climate where nuance was uh, reckoned as a good thing. Yeah. And, uh, simplistic stuff like black-white was frowned upon even by the man in the street. Yeah. Not so anymore. The new generations are worse than ever. And I don't blame them because they've grown up with it. Yeah. And But it's so stupid. Let's say, for example, in America, because Trump personally is uh, losing money of lockdowns because of his hotels and stuff, he's obviously uh, reluctant to, to go for that. Now, that certainly becomes translated to, okay, if you're against the lockdown, then you're like a right-wing uh, right. Trumpist. Right. If you're for the lockdown, then you're a moderate, uh, concerned, uh, good guy, uh, yeah. liberal. But it, look at here in Norway. We're run by a conservative government right now. Okay. And we are practicing heavy lockdowns. Then you go... A couple of hundred meters over the border to Sweden, which is run by a socialist government, yes, yes. and they have refused any kind of lockdowns. So it's not as simple as people want to put it, but they need to put everything into a black white thing. Right. And that's completely how any powers that be can get by, because they need that divide and conquer kind of mentality. That's the cognitive dissonance that will ensure any kind of scheme being um, surviving without ever being smoked up. Well, you know, it's often attributed to uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel from Chicago, but I know I I tried to pin it down and find out which one of the, the Nazi bigwigs it was, but I know it goes back much further than him. Yeah. And that is that old saying, uh, also Churchill said it, that, you know, basically never let a good crisis go to waste. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so and and I think at the end of the day, I mean, yes, of course, as seek truthers and not or sorry, truth seekers and knowledge seekers, it's important that we find out. But the basis is whether it's a bioweapon or it's a uh, natural thing that's happened and they've taken advantage of it. At the end of the day, people are still dying. Uh, no one mm-hmm. is disputing that. You, you know, you can dispute the numbers, you can dispute the overall numbers and the virility of the virus. But at the end of the day, we we still have people dying, and so I've and not seen just it. from the virus, but also oh, yeah. from the lockdown. Oh yeah, of, of course. Mm. Uh, our mental health issues here. Uh, we mm. were 
I kind of had a foreshadowing of what was going to happen in the Northern Hemisphere. And the reason why I say that is because obviously we're opposite seasons here. And we had our lockdown in March. So we were just moving into the fall. And obviously it starts getting darker out. It's cooler, everything else. And then you're locked down for a month. Now I'm a homebody and I'm a hermit. I like to stay home. But I'll tell you what, Al, when you can't even go up the road uh, to go and buy some uh, some takeout food or go and get some beer or something, and you're only allowed to go to the grocery market. And, and generally, our country, in comparison to many others, our lockdowns were quite lenient. I mean, the police weren't arresting people for no reason. It, you might get stopped and asked no, where you're going. But, but yeah, you no. know, it was it was pretty tame in comparison. But then we they can't came, get away with it in small yeah, yes. yours and mine are too small for them to get away with it. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Oh well, I just had yeah, this because of the because of the seasonality. I knew when we got around to the fall and winter in the U.S. Obviously, in Europe, it's going to get colder. People are already susceptible to picking up things, and then you add on to that the yeah. the effect on the mental health of not getting the the vitamin D from the sun and just not being able to see friends and family. We all know winter generally, especially where you are, it's already a hard enough time to get through without being told, oh, you must stay indoors. Uh, and it's not even a case of, I want to go to the cafe and get a coffee. No, all the cafes are closed, so you don't even have that option on the books. So, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, we, we had a, quite a spike here in the uh, the mental health issues and suicide. Of course, they were very – it wasn't discussed openly, so – our mainstream media, of course, didn't talk about it. It was talked about on the fringes, and anyone who mentioned it on the fringes on on things like Facebook or any uh, social media, they were very quickly attacked because here in New Zealand, our government right now is is very liberal, and like you, I see things very much. There's plenty of gray. You don't need black. You don't. Everything is not black and white, and this government mm -hmm. has done some very positive things. There are a lot of things I disagree with. And what's been happening here over the last three years, and now they've been reelected, we're having a, a quite the cult of personality has whipped up around the prime minister. And is, is he a social democrat? What party is it? She's she's labor. So, yeah, it would it, labor, yeah. On, on the scale. Yeah, that's that's right. It's definitely a kind but, of the but social. Is it, is it neoliberalist? Like in, in England, right? You have. Yeah. Uh, still the old god uh, under Corbyn, and then you have the neolibs. So right. is is your labor controlled by the neolibs? Yeah, the... It, it would be more neolibs. It's definitely driven by the labor unions and those sorts. And the other issue is that they've been in concert with the Greens for years and years, as long as I've been here. And even mm. this time, they got enough votes, they could have ruled alone. They didn't need the Greens, wow. but they pulled the Greens in as well. And again, with all parties, I, I think, think... she's popular. She's, oh, she's, she's very popular, but what I've seen is there are more and more people. What she's done is the classic, and again, I don't know her. I've never met her, obviously. Mm. I don't think that she's an evil tyrant, but what she's done is the very classic political maneuvering, which is when there's good news to deliver, I'll deliver it. When there's bad mm. news to deliver, one of the ministers will deliver it, and they will take the they'll take the fall for it. For it. Yeah. yeah, and and what what really makes me uh, I should I should know, but it's hard for me to believe that the the population in general cannot see this tactic. 
there are individuals who see it, but as a group, people just say, oh, you're being bullies or you're being mean. You're just picking on her. That's not the case at all. All, all people are asking is for there to be some accountability. You're the captain of the ship. If the ship hits the shore, you need to put your hand up and say, hey, this is on me. I'm I'm the captain at the end of the day. Not say, oh, it was the steward or it, <laughs> you're the captain. That's yeah. part of being the captain. You know, <laughs> you have to take some responsibility. Absolutely. We see the same in American politics, too. Like right now, Jimmy Dore is, try, is uh, basically busting the balls of uh, the so-called progressives in the Democratic Party because we've been told, yeah, the neoliberal establishment corporate rules. Yeah. You know, in the, in the Republican Party, the being a cleanup, first came the Ron Paul wave. Yeah. And it almost, they almost took over. And the establishment was terrified. Oh, yeah. Then came the Trumpists. And they couldn't have come if it wasn't for the Ron Paul people. Yeah. And they, they, now they were much more cynical. Many of the people who were from the revolution that came over to the Trumpists, and he played hardball, and he basically took over the party. Now, in the Democrat Party, the Bernie guys were obviously just as cheated and rigged against as the Ron Pauls. But what happened was that... Uh, Bernie didn't have any balls, and then the squad, you know, AOC and all those people. And <laughs> yeah. so, okay, we they represent people's interests. Yeah. They want to give us free Medicare, blah blah blah. So that's been the belief. Now Jimmy Dore is revealing the whole scheme, and that is that they have no intention of giving them. He's tr he's having a campaign. Check it out on Twitter. It's great. Okay. I'm going to cover it. He's he's saying, look. Now you have a chance to get a floor vote on Medicare for all because Nancy Pelosi wanna be the Speaker of the House and she's up for re-election and only one vote can change that. So right. you you don't have any power, you progressives, and you have no uh, basically a Bernie ring, and you have no have had no leverage until now. Now go to Pelosi and say, unless you give us a floor vote on Medicare for all. We're going to go down and make sure you don't become speaker again. Right. And they don't want to do it. And they try all sorts of lame excuses yeah, because it's yeah. not it's not about getting Medicare for all, but it's about getting on the record who voted for against it. Because 55% of Republicans want it, 90% of Democrats want it, and I think 70% of the people overall want it. Right. Obviously... Who doesn't want it? The yeah. big corporations, yeah. big pharma, all that stuff. So, uh, big insurance. So, <laughs> get it on the vote, and then you can bust those who, because people will be reluctant voting against it if there's any focus on it. If you know, yeah. it's just, that's why when they voted the CARES Act, which is the biggest looting of the people ever, much more than in two thousand and eight. Uh, only two. Or three people were against it, and that was right-wing populists. I think Josh Hawley was one of them. But the the crazy thing is they agreed not to record who voted against it and for <laughs> it. It was just a voice call. Yeah. Like, yay, nay. <laughs> and that was because they were terrified of being accountable for it in the aftermath. Right. And now Jimmy Dore is trying not to let that happen. So it's so interesting, the campaign he has, because he obviously says... As soon as they become a part of the Democratic or the Republican Party, they are sold. You can't trust them anymore. And so now he proves it. There's no such thing as a Bernie wing. They are 
completely uh, neutered. And uh, if you want change, you have to make a new party. And you know this, living in, being oh, yeah. an American, living in New Zealand. You see how well it works with several parties, because even a small party can make a difference. And, and this thing that they want AOC and the other progressives to do, which is just play hardball with Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> yeah. to, that, that's, that, that's like a bridge too far yes. in America. And, and normal Americans are saying, like progressives saying, no, you're criticizing politicians. You can't do that. You don't speak <laughs> like it's their friends. Here yeah. in Norway, it's, we call it Monday morning politics, what they want uh, AOC to do. I mean, we had a right-wing party who said, if you don't agree to this thing, to the government party, which was another conservative party, we're going to make sure that we're not going to back you anymore so that we will have a new government. And they did it. And so a social democrat party took over because one right-wing party basically withhold their support for another working party because they didn't heed their demand. It's completely, that's called politics. That's what politics is. Exactly. It's their, it's their goddamn job and they don't want to do their job. And now in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of pandemic, to give healthcare, because I feel so sorry, Americans are the only people on earth. Yeah. Of course, we have some like Nigeria and some backwards yeah. countries, but basically everybody has universal healthcare. And I'm not saying, you know, we can discuss which type of universal healthcare is best. And there we can go from all the way from a left wing to a right wing version, right? But I'm just saying universal healthcare by itself is needed. Yeah. And and they don't even have that. Well, when I lived in California, um, one of the kind of catalysts of of why I actually, uh, (laughs) as so often happens in my life, Al, I just did the very impetuous thing and I rolled the dice and I said, let's see how this happens. Well, we went through a strike in the supermarket I worked for. And at that time, I mean, at that age anyway, I was set up in my mind. I could have retired at 53 with a full benefit. And wow. that's what was the strike was over the healthcare. Basically, the employers, there were four major grocery chains in Southern California. And they all said, well, you know, we're not going to continue to foot this increasing and increasing healthcare, uh, you know, cost. And they didn't cover everything, but they covered a substantial amount. And so mm-hmm. they basically said, well, we don't care what happens. We're, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to give in. And sure enough, uh, why I got, I, I was still only in my early twenties, but basically what happened was when the strike fund ran dry after five months, all of the union employees, the reps in that stopped getting paid. So guess what? Time to go back to work. Yeah, and they yeah. basically had everyone go down uh, and vote. And when they came out of the other side, they said, oh, this is what you gave away. And I was so furious. I actually rang the president of the union and told him to stick it up as uh, you know what and said, you, you, you guys are worse. You guys are like the worst criminals, the mobsters, the gangsters I've ever seen. There are people who lost their homes and everything else because two uh, husband and wife both working in the supermarket industry. and. I just told him, you guys can just cram it. I was a, a steward at the time. And they sent the union rep in to talk to me. And right there in the supermarket with customers around and everything else, I told him, if you come over here, you SOB, I'm going to punch you in the face. Don't you even come. And he got that real shock look on his face. And he turned around and he walked out. 
And so after that, mm-hmm. after the strike, they brought in second tier wages. And if you got promoted, you would go on the second tier and blah, blah, blah. So I'd already, uh, I, I knew my partner. But here. this was I'd, in America, right? Yes, that's right. And I knew my partner uh, here you, in New you Zealand. You hardly have unions there. And, and uh, I mean, they are so broken down yeah. and corrupted. Well, Cal- California, New York. Oh, this is when I was there. California, New York, all, the more liberal states had the stronger unions at the time. And right. yeah, we had 16,000 members, uh, which, you know, our strike fund, they were, I remember them going on and on bragging how we had like this $8 million strike fund or something like that. And obviously it wasn't enough. Well, um, anyway, I just rolled the dice and said, well, I'll come over here. I'd been talking to my partner. I said, I'll come over and see if I like it. And if I don't like it, I can go home. But early on, I got quite sick. I got a sinus infection. And uh, my partner took me to the uh, the clinic here. And she just said to me, because at that time, I wasn't, I still wasn't a citizen or anything. She said, okay, just let me do the talking. But Al, I'll never forget. I went in. I saw the doctor. They gave me the medication. And I think the whole thing all up cost me about $30 for the this visit. This was in New Zealand. Yes, yes, in, in New mm. Zealand for the visit and the prescriptions. Meanwhile, in the U.S., and for a lot of people who've never lived in the U.S., they, you know, they'll say to me, oh, this ridiculous people don't go to the doctor. Well, I'll, I will tell them here, okay, first off, even back then, over 15 years ago, a doctor's visit was about $80. And then... You have to take a day off of work, and most people didn't have paid sick leave. So let's say $100 there. And then you have the prescriptions, which will be $80, $90, $100. So you might be out $300 just to go and uh, see the doctor. And then again, also, you take the time off. You might anger your employer. You don't know. So the people yeah. that's why they call it you know, the, the, the working sick or the, the working wounded, because so many people would just continue working. They're so terrified of losing their job over what is basically a human right. I mean, you've got the right to go and get treatment for these things. No, and, and the problem is it's tied up to jobs in America. Yeah. And that's crazy. I never understood that thing. I never even understood why they were talking about insurance when it comes to health. But of course, that's because it's a completely different reality of where I grew up, right? <laughs> yes. Here, if an American comes here as a visitor, just as a tourist, and he throws himself in front of a car or, or does something that, you know, it's his own fault. <laughs> Even then he gets free. <laughs> the ambulance will pick him up and take him to the best available hospital. And, and of course, if you tie healthcare up to jobs, that's a good way to control working oh, class, yeah. right? Who want to, oh, I really want to do podcasts like <laughs> John and Al, but I can't risk it because yes. I will lose my healthcare, yes. right? Yeah. So they, you have to stick by your factory work. And so uh, in the middle of the pe- pandemic, people are losing their jobs. Yeah. They're losing their health cares. They're taking pay cuts. Obviously, all of these things will add to the bad health. But even those who have health deals realizes that those deals sucks because yeah. what is the primary intention of uh, an insurance company <laughs> all over the world? To pay out as little as possible. Right? So, so they are kept um, they are kept uh, prisoners of that system. And I really think if, if it's one thing that should come out of this COVID now, it's the because every American realizes, especially in the beginning, yeah. when they thought 
COVID was the Black Plague, right? <laughs> yeah. And so they were thinking, God damn it, if someone gets COVID, of course they need to be helped. If yeah. nothing yeah. else, then so that I will not be infected, right? So yes. we have to help them out of self-interest. But then you can take it further and say, okay, so when, why is it okay that a, per, a patient comes in with COVID and gets free treatment, but a patient comes in with cancer or being uh, yeah. uh, dri driven over by the bus and they are not going. Why are we discriminating suddenly, right? So yeah. it doesn't make any sense at all. And I'll tell you, it's, the problem is mercantil mercantilism ideology because I'm kind of a libertarian. Yeah. Actually, I'm not any ism. Yeah. But when it comes to economic, I believe in the open free marketplace. Yep, you create too. whatever you produce, and if people want it, they buy it, and everybody's happy. And the price should be determined by the market. Now, yep. that's not the same as saying, I'm, I'm talking about commodities. Yeah. Right? I'm talking about items. I'm not goddamn talking about the existence, life, and death. Right. Uh, and so police shouldn't be. A private venture, right? Right. The military shouldn't be a private venture, right? And so, why why should the hospitals be a be a business? It's completely unnatural. What about the Hippocratian oath? It goes against it, right? So that's the problem that they think everything is a mercantile product. Everything isn't a mercantile product, and if it becomes, it becomes lousier, poorer quality, more expensive to run prone to be exploited by like in America it's the healthcare system is three times more expensive than universal healthcare systems like ours. And that's because everybody's trying to price gouge and exploit and yep. it's it's a scam upon a scam. Everybody's scamming everybody. The insurance companies are scamming the hospitals. The only pe people sitting uh, at the end of the scam are the taxpayers. <laughs> yep. So uh, and and they say some of them are brainwashed and say, Oh, free healthcare, there's no <laughs> such thing as free. Of course we're talking about free at the point of service. Yes. And it's not free by like you know, it's paid for by the taxpayers. That's what we are paying. Why that's why we are paying tax. You can be against tax, but at least as long as you're trapped in a system where you have to pay tax, at least demand something back for it. Yeah. Now we do in my country, but in USA they get nothing back for it, man. They get wars, more wars, more deaths, more crap. Well, it's, it's amazing. They get nothing. Well, I can't remember who I heard talking about it. Um, it might have been uh, Dr. Farrell. It could have been someone else. But I heard this recently, and we all know about the amount of money that the military in the U.S. spends. But he said that it's actually gotten to the tipping point where the U.S. Uh, expenditures actually have gone over 50% of the entire expenditure for the government yeah. is for the military. Yeah. And yeah. they pointed out several, uh, oh, that's who, that's what it was. That was the tie-in, was they were saying that when that happened in the USSR, very shortly after, the the USSR collapsed. I think it was actually John Hogue, if you've heard of him, who's kind of the Nostradamus expert. And uh, I think I heard some of his conversation. Now we, we have our own called Johan Galtung. Okay. Yes, he predicted the fall of the Soviet Union. Right, right. Yeah, and he also predicted the fall of America. And he's been right yes. even on timing. Uh, synchronicities, Al. That, that's exactly who he was talking about. And at the time, I didn't get to write down the name because he's he, a Norwegian. 
Okay. Yeah, he, he said, uh, I couldn't remember if it was Norway or, or Sweden, but yeah. he was saying he was basically considered the, the Nostradamus, and that's exactly that's right. what he said. He predicted the downfall of the Soviet Union. He basically said that uh, both countries in the Cold War will fall. It's just one will fall sooner than the other as far as the economy. Yeah. Um, okay. No, thanks for that, because I'll definitely be checking that out. Yeah, folks, Johan Galtung. Of course, you never become a prophet in your own country. <laughs> of course. So he fled in Norway. And he's been, he's having great analysis. It's a dream to get him on my show. But yeah. Oh, America he's, he's still born. alive. He is. He's old, but he's right. with it. No, no, that's, look, that's good to know. I'll definitely look him up. It's one of those things to me, uh, I've always been fascinated by the potential of prophecy or. Uh, this is why I always laugh, because, of course, you get the very entrenched people who say, oh, if they're not right 100% of the time, then yeah. everything is rubbish. But uh, come on. Uh, the the thing to me, again, as we the as you say, we, we expand our paradigms, we keep our minds open. And I've had so many people over the years tell me, well, any mental abilities are absolute BS. And I've told them, I can't remember yeah, the yeah, study. Yeah, hang on, hang on, hang on. Johan Galtung isn't doing this based on paranormal. Uh, well, you may say his um, analysis qualities are paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> but he's using analysis oh, okay. prediction, okay. like a meteor- meteorologist, right? Right. So I understand. So, yeah. But, uh, but, uh, uh, but I get your point. It's still valid anyway. So. Yeah. Oh, well, I, all I was saying was that I point out to people I, I can't remember the exact study, but they did a study in the U.S., and it was between the 50s and 70s. And basically, they took a group of subjects, and they said, do your best mentally to interact with these uh, number-counting machines. So, you know, the nu- it either shows a 1 or a 0, the analog machines. And they showed that the probability was affected, uh, not massively, but uh, more than could be explained by chance. It was like, you know, you should get over the course of a million uh, coin flips, you should get half and half, and it was something more like 57 or 58%. Now, yeah. again, they ran this over days, so it wasn't on the day, you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. I don't know, as with anything, as you say, you know, we keep an open mind, but, but we keep one foot on the ground, but some of these things like that, or uh, as you were, you know, I'm, I know that you've uh, had converse. I believe you've had conversations with Cliff High off the top of my head, yeah. from memory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I know his is slightly different because, again, we're talking about an actual program. But again, his stuff, I, I mean, I found it extremely fascinating. Um, and I've always been, I don't think anyone has but, got. But hang on, there is a paranormal element to it because if you don't believe that our collective subconscious is spilling, out echoes or warnings kind of or, or like trends uh, indications of where it's going then you wouldn't accept that uh, he has hacked into that kind of right so so that's the paranormal element it's not to do with his invention that's you know mere data computer yeah. but it's the rationale for why it works well talking you, about webbot yes yes and you look at some of these things that uh, it's it's again as with so much these these lines are are intersecting and connecting. I've done a three part series on the program. Uh, it's just basically called uh, the case for reincarnation, and mm. almost all of them are the cases of the young children because that seems to be 
the the group it's kind of most of the children from about the age of three up until about the age of eight or nine is when they have these yeah. past life memories. And again, you know, I've had people because any any polarizing who, topic who did like you that. Speak with uh, for that show. Oh no, that was just my own research. So uh, oh, okay, yeah, I just because I, I, I don't know if you know it, but I had uh, had uh, the big researcher on that on my show. Oh no, I'll have to check that one out. It's um, called um, evidence for. So it's with Dr. Erlander Haraldson because the the big guy Ian Stevenson yes. is dead. Yes. But Haraldson uh, is um, still alive, and the show is called Evidence for Children's Past Life Memories. Okay, life's memories. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's very similar to what I've gone over as far as. You know, kind of the cases I've covered. Almost all of them are the the children. There, there are the rare exceptions, like uh, Barbara O'Collin, the lady who believes that she was Anne Frank in the previous life. Right. That, yeah, as as time has gone on, her memories haven't faded as so many of them do. But the thing mm. that I find fascinating is because I've had some people. It's it's one of those topics where people are very polarized on it. And I've had many people kind of off to the side on social media. I am, oh, this is all a bunch of BS. And I'll point to a few cases and I'll just say, okay, here's a perfect example. This boy claimed that he was um, a man who uh, was a Hollywood actor. He was a bit actor. He wasn't someone famous, but he was a an agent. He didn't claim he right. was John Wayne. He didn't claim he no. was Cary Grant. He claimed that he was basically a bit actor. Now, when they started digging into the case of this man's life, the boy kept saying, over and over he would say to his mother, I don't understand why God would let you live to be 63 and then bring you back as a as a child. And they looked at his public record and his gravestone and that, and they said, oh, no, well, you didn't live to be 63. You lived to be 62. Well, they arranged a meeting with this man's daughter, and the boy went and met the daughter and that, and she gave them some documentation of her father's. And one of the things was his death certificate. And Al, on his death certificate, it showed there was a mistake in the public record, there was a mistake mm. on the tombstone, that he was 63 when he passed away. How mm. can you explain that he would have this information? Now, of course, it could be something like Akashic Record or Shared Memory. I'm not saying it's necessarily a reincarnation, but what I'm saying is there's definitely something anomalous to it. Uh, we're not. It's It's not one of those things where it's, Oh well, a boy likes to play baseball, so he must be Babe Ruth, you know. <laughs> so, so, some of these, you know, there are forty or fifty or sixty correlating uh, notes. And the other thing that I always appreciated about Stevenson, and and uh, I've actually heard of uh, of Harrelson, what I always appreciated is they point to the misses as well as the hits, and yeah. that again, that is that true open mind that we talk about. They don't just trumpet, aha, I, you know. Twelve mm. of these were right, but it's no, they just are truth seekers. They yeah. want to find out, and they are honest with their data. But you know, reincarnation. <coughs> Sorry, <coughs> I just get some COVID out of my system. There. <laughs> you know, reincarnation is there's a reason. It's the oldest spiritual doctrine in the world, even in the Andertals believe in it, and yeah. it's all shamanism all over the world. All primary ancient religions all over the world had it. And it's still today the most statistically prevalent uh, spiritual belief in the world. 
which is kind of weird because, uh, for example, the biggest religion is Christianity. <coughs> the second biggest is Islam. Right. And <coughs> but the thing is, even in Christianity, uh, reincarnation was the default doctrine. Back in the day in, in Judaism too, the thing is, it was so normal that it wasn't pointed out. It was like understood as right. obvious. So that's why there are remnants in the Bible where they haven't uh, purged it for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there and there they say like, uh, hey, master, were you this and that uh, prophet before this? Right, yeah, I was this and that, and they're not, you know, asking why. Or, or in the case of the blind man, was he born blind because of something his parents did, or some because something he did? Right, and, and and nobody was saying, oh, he did. How could he have done that if he didn't live before? Right, yeah. it was a given. It just stated. But as what a happened fact, yeah. was that till what's her name? There was this emperor, tyrant. Oh. He wasn't even Christian, um, and his his wife. She Just, was a psychopath. Justinian, was it? Yeah, I think it was Justinian, maybe. And and his wife was a psychopath. And she didn't like the uh, doctrine of karma <laughs> being out there, that you're accountable. So she forced her husband, the Kaiser, the, the emperor, to force the Christians, who then had the biggest religion, to, uh, you know, purge the reincarnation. We don't want that as a doctrine anymore. We want to outlaw reincarnation, basically, same as the Chinese did right. recently. Well, not recently, but a decade or two ago regarding the Dalai Lama. Yes. They want their own Dalai Lama, right? <laughs> so they just made it. Un but the church handled it very cleverly because they never disnounced uh, this, what's it called, condemn it. So yeah. officially, technically speaking, you can be a Catholic even. And believe in reincarnation without having a problem with the dogma of your church. Because, like I said, the church was just forced to do it, but they didn't do it officially like they should have done, like with a papal bull, bull or something. Right, say. right. So, uh, ironically. But still, Chinese people, Indian people, the West, most people still believe in reincarnation. And it's also one of those interesting ideas that children have yeah. when they're very small. I'm not talking about the memories now, but like when you start philosophizing yeah. about life and death, these are one of the intuitive things that children can work out themselves well, as a potential, you know, spiritual. I don't understand why people can be so, um, not just against it, but I mean, it, it's one of those touch points where people get really, you know, defensive about it if it's discussed, because to me, what is... Okay, we, we in a perfect world, you know, we talk about a planet of peace and love and everyone understands everyone else. What better example for this could you have if, let's say, you have a man who's a misogynist and he hates women and, okay, well, you were a woman or you're going to be a woman or you're a racist and you're going to be one of the, you see, I've never understood why people rail against it so hard, the people who are against it. I get the whole, there's, you know, the ones that say, there's no proof, show me proof, that's fine. But the people who just say basically, oh, it's all BS and that get so aggravated about it, I don't quite understand why um, it's such this terrible thing in their mind. And as you were saying with the Romans, I mean, that is the perfect example. It It's hard to control people if they say, well, this life is fleeting and you can torture me and you can kill me, but I'm going to come back right. again. 
So if yeah. you make it the official doctrine that, oh, no, you don't. This is the only go around. Um, it, people approach things a lot differently from a mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But you answer the question yourself why they hate it. Because um, I, I, I think there's two main reasons. One is basically just they are grown up with the propaganda against it. Right. Like if you grow up, even if you're not a Christian anymore, you probably grown up in a Christian household, yeah, yeah. so you have the bias, right? But the second, and ironically, they shouldn't have the bias. Like I said, it was completely in, in line with early Christianity. But the second, I think, is what you said. It's the fact that they're accountable. It's just the same reason that bitch, excuse my French, wanted to outlaw the doctrine. It's because, yeah. oh my God. Imagine if you're a suicidal, right? <laughs> Yeah. You did nothing but get go back to start, and so <laughs> you're actually accountable. That's a horrible. You and me, we live in countries that are rather, rather secular, right. and even if people adhere officially to some religion or another, they're not really religious or spiritual. They don't yeah. think too much about it. I mean, there are much more spiritual people tuning into your show, for example, even if they don't belong to any denomination or whatever. Right. But even those mainstream the man in the street in the proverbial norwegian street or, or new zealand street he is for all intents and purposes an agnostic and if he should be forced to think about one thing is to be forced to think about how horrible this world is like we talked earlier right let's just deny anything that puts cracks to my <laughs> yeah, yeah. scrap picture image of and that's why the the covid is so serious because it makes even mainstream people question reality now yeah. which is why people like you and me we need we need to see the sign on the wall and start <laughs> producing shows here so we get more of them you know open open their minds but no if that's bad Oh my God, if the whole cosmos is a big conspiracy, right? And I'm coming back here and God knows what else. Yeah. And if, if, if Trump isn't the man, you know, who, who's really the man in a cosmic sense, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then, oh my God, and all the different religions and, and all the horrible stuff many of them teach. Yeah. I don't even yeah. want to go into starting to entertain that some of that can be real. Yeah. Like a judgment of <laughs> my own conduct. Oh, no, I'd rather just, I'd ju rather just buy into the sleeping pill, the blue yes. pill of the skeptics. I just lie in a coffin and everything goes dark and quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And I can rest. Yeah. Worm food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 as you say, you know, ev everyone has to live their own journey. Everyone has to. Uh, learn and, and digest uh, this existence for themselves. But to me, the, the most, uh, I had this talk with, uh, with a friend of mine not too long ago, and they basically said to me, not uh, conspiracy theorists, but let's just say anything alternative theory, what's the one thing that you're rock solid that, you know, if I said to you, I'll pay off your house or uh, I'll pay for you to retire and do uh, your podcast, if you can if you can hand on heart say, and, and that's what I said, Al, I said that there's more to this existence than us being a, basically a, a, a meat robot, you know, uh, a brain inside of a, <laughs> inside of a body. And that's all we are. And it's electrical impulses and nothing else matters. And yeah, like, like Alex Sekiri says, uh, he says, uh, biological robot in a yeah. meaningless universe. Yeah. I love yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
again, we, we all have our own experiences. I had two NDEs when I was uh, quite young. I didn't yeah. have the classic where you go and see all your loved ones and that. I did have the, uh, the, the, the seeing the light and uh, not feeling any pain and that. But again, that I fully understand that could have just been my body, uh, you know, being lacked of oxygen because I was drowning. Uh, my stepfather also had one where he died on the operating table for eight minutes. And as so many nice. of these cases you've heard, he uh, he could talk about things in the room that it was impossible for him to see from the bed uh, afterwards. You know, mm. he could say who was coming, who was going, who was out in the hall. It, it, does that guarantee anything? Of course it doesn't. But to me personally, that's the joy of all of this. If if somebody came forward and, and gave us a guidebook to say, here's all the answers. Well, what's mm. what's the fun of doing what we do then? You know, it's <laughs> we, we, we wouldn't push ourselves to continue to learn. To continue yeah, to look at these things. Yeah, let's not underestimate the the journey of discovery. Oh yeah. And 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 like uh, like uh, Gandhi said, you know, you know, the, the, there's this uh, ethical, uh, moral um, uh, principle of um, the goal is justified by the means, right? Yeah. But Gandhi, and that's wrong. Gandhi said, the 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 goal, the target, and the way, the mean. Is the same. It is one, and that's what you're talking about too. Because when we're on a uh, discovery journey, the, just the process of expanding our paradigm, expanding our being, expanding not just in terms of knowledge, in terms of experience, in terms yeah. of love, in terms of everything, that is the spiritual act. That is why we're here, and it never ceases unless there is a beginning and the end, but most likely there's no beginning and the end, and then right. that becomes the purpose itself. So I learn something new, great. Yeah. That's the meaning of my existence. It's a part of it. You see what I mean? I'm doing something right. Yeah. And those people who are close-minded, they are sleepwalkers, <laughs> you know, no better than animals. Yeah. I'm not saying that the worth is low. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. the level of operation. As is so often the case on my journey, as I've aged, there was a time where things like this, like what the conversation we're having, if somebody came and said to me, oh, that's all BS, there was a time in my life where I would have uh, thought, oh, well, uh, that person's uh, thoughts don't merit anything. But as time's gone on and as I've grown, I realized, well, no, they just have a different way of looking at it and they have mm. to take their own journey. Uh, maybe mm. there will be something, maybe they will have that epiphany tomorrow or maybe next week or maybe never, but that's their mm. journey. And it's not for me to judge their journey and their pathway. It's it's funny, Al, the, the, the way that life takes us. I, I honestly, if you would have taken me back to uh when i was in high school let's say and said okay we're gonna write here's the script for your life if you would have presented it to me i would have honestly said which hollywood studio wrote this because this isn't going to happen <laughs> it's it's been astonishing i've really enjoyed it and programs like like you know the the topics that you cover as you were saying some of those things where people come to uh forum borealis for one thing and it gets them thinking introducing uh introduced to other topics it's not mm. that I've never cared about it, but I've never sat down and actually had one forum where you've got so many different subjects. And for example, as you were saying, the esoteric stuff, uh, going and listening to some of those, and uh, I haven't had a chance to listen through everything, but some of those, uh, 
uh, episodes. I mean, it, it's amazing because again, so many of these guests, it, it, it they're they're not out there to say this is the way it is and you must believe that. No, it's this is oh, what no, I found. No, no, I've no, I've done the no. hard yards. I've done the work, and this is what. Uh, bacon said about it or this is what uh, john d mm. or on and on and on and it's mm. it's just fascinating to me and it i guess uh, the way to put it is that it's just you've got so many great things uh in in the forum in forum borealis and you've got so many great mm -hmm. subjects um and some people will say because i'm a member of quite a few different podcast groups on facebook and i have mm -hmm. quite a chuckle because so many of them say oh well you must be very focused on what your topics are and i laugh because you know like the one person said to me oh what's your ideal uh, audience and i said anyone who is interested in the fortian the paranormal the unexplained the mysterious the um <laughs> uh, uh sorry the Already esoteric half the population there yeah and and, and, <laughs> and they get really agitated with me because they say oh no that's too broad i said well that's what look i'm, I'm not covering it to uh get coca-cola to sponsor me I'm covering mm. it because these are the fascinating things in my life. And I, I've said to people before, maybe this sounds arrogant, but the truth is when I pass away, I want to leave something behind me. I want to leave some legacy, even if one person listens to some of these topics and starts their own journey based on that, then to me, I've, I've won. I've succeeded because that's how I've learned is from other people like uh, Form Borealis, like what you do, Al, those sort of things. Like, for example, I knew who Joseph Farrell was. I'd read some of his books before, Reich of the Black mm. Sun and that. But mm. to hear some of these other topics and get me introduced to think, now hold on, just because this is what you've heard, it doesn't mean that's the whole picture. There's potentially this, potentially that. And just always mm. keeping those synapses firing and asking ourselves, is there more, is there more, is there more? Thing with guests like him, I love uh, Renaissance people, you know, generalists. Yes, yes. Who also are experts. Um, it's not every guest I can tangle on completely different matters with, but uh, they tend to be. Some of those I have on tend to be at that level, uh, and that's great because I, I I'm kind of there myself. That you know, of course you know this as a host. It's our prerogative and honor to steer the shows where we want, right? So I can. I can have, if I wanted to have a show about uh, cooking, I would have that, yes. right? Or about yes. gardening, I would have that. But I, I, I go for what I'm interested in. And, uh, uh, yeah, so so uh, here and there. You know, another fellow who is kind of in the same way is Alex Akiris that I mentioned uh, earlier of Skeptical. Have you listened to his shows? No, no, I haven't. Oh, okay. Uh, you would love it. His shows are very much in the same vein as yours. Okay. Um, he's in. He's interviewed me a couple of times. He's going to interview me again in a week or so. But I have interviewed him, and uh, I would recommend one of the shows you check out next time you listen to us. Next yep. time you're going for a five-year drive somewhere <laughs> <laughs> is uh, the one called. Um, either the one called Why Scientism is Wrong About Everything. It's an old show we did with him. Okay. Why, not Why Science is Wrong About Everything, but Why Scientism Tism. is Wrong About Everything. Yeah. But we also did a new one, which is not out to the public yet. It's uh, only uh, available to our website su subscribers. And that's called Evil. 
It's basically me and him, four hours, discussing evil in its, all its aspects. You, you'll be shocked when you find out where it takes us. Um, if you're not a member of a website, just sign up. And, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you'll find a lot of... That's the thing. Uh, we have so many unreleased shows to the public. Uh, probably 30 shows that's not on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, and... Um, uh, but now we are working on speeding up the release process. So, in fact, as we speak, literally as we speak, uh, my website is being pimped. It's been looking so horrible for so long, but now it's... <laughs> starting to look better so yeah we're trying our best to catch up now because we've been so far behind on so many well areas. and yeah it, it, M- it, much more shows coming for the public in all these diverse areas that we've been pointing out well as i said to another uh, podcast host not too long ago al how dare you get life how dare you let life get in the way you know Right, right. One of the real things for me on on this journey that's, uh, again, I just, as I've aged, I I think that everything is a lesson and and I learned something from everything. And and one of the things I've really learned is it's easy to look from the outside in at content on YouTube or a painting or something and say, oh, well, I enjoy it. Thanks. But to realize the amount of work that goes into it, as you were saying, the things people don't see behind the scenes. I mean, I spent yesterday, I, I came out here at nine in the morning and I went in the house at eight at night. And basically all I was doing was preparing social media posts, uh, trying mm. to create audiograms, trying to do different mm. things I had told people I would do. And uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, it's it's all things I knew I had to do, but people, they they might hear, like you say, that 90 minute or two or three hour clip and they don't realize all the hard work that goes on in the background the editing the lining up the guest uh, the conversations the research and it's it's pretty daunting i mean i wouldn't change what i do for anything but it's really taught me to be appreciative of what other people are doing and like i say i know now (laughs) now that i've been on this journey myself i know the hard work that you've definitely had to do with the forum it's uh it's not easy and especially those long conversations it all takes time and again, then you've oh got all God. the editing. Just editing yeah. one of those shows is a nightmare. <laughs> it's a true nightmare. And and then, but, uh, uh, but uh, how uh, can I ask? Uh, you started. Uh, you said in in two thousand sixteen, was it? Uh, with with listening to the forum, yes. I only started this program. Uh, basically, what happened was we I, I lost my job. COVID came around, and ironically enough, Al, um, my first project idea I've. I've always been a reader, as we've discussed, and and writing is probably, uh, well, up until I started doing this, writing has always been my creative outlet. So on my bucket list was to write a book. And ironically enough, the premise of the book, because I thought it allows me to go in so many different directions, is World War II, uh, a German soldier who's ex-Special Forces, who's basically been busted down, and he starts getting involved in... Uh, kind of uh, paranormal, supernatural things at behest nice. of the SS, and honestly, oh, you have plenty to use from well, that. Yeah, well, I, I, I will get around to doing it, and I don't want to give away the whole basis, but it's really ironic, Al, because the very first book, uh, I, 
it's one of those things where you start going down the path and then afterwards you go, well, I should have done this, so I'll do this on the fly to adapt. Well, the first book actually was going to be set basically with the Germans landing in Norway and mm -hmm. him being involved. Uh, I, I won't I won't give it away for everyone, but uh, mm -hmm. it's basically being involved in what we talked about before. And then it allows me also, you know, because uh, you've got all of these myths, legends, uh, supernatural uh, traditions all throughout Europe. Then you can be involved in France. You can be involved in Poland, in Russia, all mm -hmm. over. And I yeah. started down that journey, and then I got a wild hair, and I just said all of a sudden, well, maybe I'll look into doing a podcast. And I started out with just the iPhone, and I started recording things uh, on the iPhone with no mic. And that program is actually called The Fortunate Sun. And the whole tagline for that program was uh, exploring life's journey, uh, something like that, like exploring uh, the journey of life and uh, the human condition. And what I found very early on within the first episode or two was that, wow, you've got two real streams. You've got life, mental health, uh, financial, everything else. And then you've got this other thing that you can't quite quantify, uh, paranormal, unexplained, mm -hmm. conspiracy, all of this. And I very quickly worked right. out that I needed to split the streams because it's just too convoluted to mix them all together. And what's happened over time is it's not that I don't care about the other side. It's just there's so many excellent episode, uh, excellent uh, programs out there about mental health and well-being. And and, right. uh, and and so that's it. So I started going down this path. And so it's only been since May. Um, I'm sure that you can fully relate. In a way, it seems like it was yesterday. And in a way, it seems like it was 2016. Uh, mm. so, some things of the journey have been uh, quite uh, a steep learning curve and other things have been slow and steady. But uh, yeah, I, I haven't been doing it all that long. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's relative. It's from this year, you said? Yes, this yes. Year, then? Yeah. So it takes time to build, build up. Yeah. Um, but um, a, a listenership, but uh, the more listeners you get, the worse uh, demands on <laughs> distracting stuff that has nothing to do with basically doing yeah. the podcast, right? Yeah. Just just mails for me. I'm oh, paying people to deal with my mails. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I can't do it myself. No time. Then I wouldn't be able to do a show. These different people. And that's when we start seeing the coherence, connect the dots. Like you said, everything is connected to everything, right? So we are in a very unique position to, to have teachers, educators. So we ourselves become at that level on, on uh, one way or the other. Somehow that happens. So And more than listeners, because the listeners don't have to listen into everything. Right. Maybe they just listen to what they like. You are forced to <laughs> listen to everything, right? <laughs> because you're doing it. So that's another... Ad advantage, fortunate advantage by being a podcaster that is cannot be summed up in material gains, coins, but which is still a huge benefit, notwithstanding in terms of life currency. So, yeah. ah, you're in for a treat. <laughs> no, it's it, it's honestly, it's um, I ask myself quite often, <laughs> what took you so long? Why did you wait so long to do <laughs> yeah, this? But right, but me yeah. too. I, yeah. I so regret I didn't start in 2010. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or five either. Yeah. Well, well, as you were saying, you know, back then, uh, some of these uh, programs that I listened to, 
that honestly, early on, Al, I, I didn't know what to expect. And, and I think it's human nature uh, for most of us. Very few of us mm -hmm. go into any endeavor with the narcissistic attitude that I'm going to be the best uh, no matter what. Um, and yeah. very early on, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if anyone would listen, uh, even friends, you know, that I would say, hey, I'm doing a program. But one of the things for me very early on was that I reached out to a few of the programs uh, that I've enjoyed and just said, hey, look, uh, you gave me a lot of the inspiration to do what I'm doing. And rather mm. than brushing me off or ignoring me, all of them uh, at least gave me the kind words to say, hey, you know, uh, stick at it. And uh, it's it's a great thing. And, and just what you were saying, there's so much you're going to learn. And the advice that all of them gave me was work hard, perfect what you do, perfect your niche. But at the same time, enjoy the journey and enjoy all of these yeah. little things that you get to tick off, uh, you, you know, interviews with people, cases that you cover that are fascinating. All of these different things, make sure you're enjoying them because just like in life in general, at the end of the day, it's all about the journey. The destination is without uh, doubt, we're all going to die, but it's the journey is, is what's the beauty of the it all. The path and the destination is one. Yes, yes. Indeed, yeah. Well, Al. Um, yeah, I was just injecting that. Go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, well, that, like I say, it's, it's, I have not had one person that I've approached. It, the, the worst that I've got is, hey, look, uh, I'm not doing any media right now. Uh, can, can you just wait, maybe circle back to me in March? But everyone has been polite. And like yourself, I mean, I, I realize that we've had a bit of, uh, um, <laughs> Uh, misalignment yeah yeah, yeah mis misalignment yeah. but honestly to me and i appreciate your advice earlier about with the guests uh, i guess because of i'm at that part on my journey where to me it you're very much doing me the favor for being on the show and so i appreciate that's why i say anytime basically but, but let anyway. me give you an advice that i wish someone gave me early on uh, you're gonna have a million guests never reply to you but don't take it personal. Most likely, they have, haven't even read. Yeah. And even if they have read it or noticed it, they have no idea who you are or what it's about. Right. It's nothing personal. Yeah. It's not like they're sitting there ignoring you and don't yeah. want to. Yeah. You know, and I guess it's logical, but, but I know some people who take that stuff personal. So yeah. They shouldn't. I guess it can be really crestfalling to, to people, as you say, especially maybe now our field is obviously a little bit different. It's not like I'm trying to get an interview with uh, Obama or Merkel or <laughs> someone like that. So, <laughs> yeah, but you have no idea yeah. how, how some people are at that level uh, in yeah. terms of unavailability. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. But uh, yeah, to, to me, and, and, and that's why just what you've done with me and the fact that you've tried to give me advice and, and you're trying to help me out this is the same i've been doing with others uh some of them are not uh in the same genre but they're still podcasters and sure. again the, the little things that i do like for example again it's just my upbringing but when i was a boy we didn't have a lot i mean we had food and all of that but we were not uh we were not uh, raised in the trump household let's say and mm. my mom every year she did the 12 years of christmas but it wasn't the religious aspect of doing it from Christmas Day until the 6th of January. It was more about just gift giving for people who had supported us throughout the year, because mm. as with so many people, especially living in the country, 
if you can't depend on your friends and neighbors, you're going to struggle if you don't have a you're lot right. there. That's and, typical for the country, not yeah. in the city. Yes. There is every man. For, become a cannibal to survive, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and so mom, every year, she would do these 12 days of Christmas. And it could be something as simple as a hand-knitted uh, scarf. Or, but she would give these gifts. And I started thinking this year, I thought, right, what am I going to do for kind of Christmas? Because no matter what our own uh, traditions in that are, the vast majority of my listeners are going to be in that uh, you know Christmas season mood. So I mm. thought, I, I can't really do a giveaway. I don't have anything, and I really don't have the money lined up right now to do it. But I thought, but what I could do is do re, re, uh, reestablish this 12 days. And basically every day on um, Instagram and Facebook, I've just been posting someone who has been supportive whether it's just a page that just posts information or it's a podcast or it's a company that uh, one is a coffee company, for example, anyone who is kind of in our realm as far as trying to help each other, being positive, small business, I'll just make a post uh, pointing out what they do, thanking them. Here's how you can contact them, everything else. And it, it, yeah, of, of course, nothing is free and it takes time, but uh, the amount of people who have come to me, and some of these are I'm, look, I'm I'm not a I'm not a big fish, but some of these guys are really small fry, and they will come to me and just say, "Thank you so much. You don't know how much this means to me." And I say to them, "No, I do. That's why I did it because of your attitude is the reason why I'm supporting you. And it's nothing. It's not. It costs me my time, but it doesn't cost me financially, and it doesn't. It's not like I'm going out on a limb." Uh, endorsing you or something. I'm just saying this is great. It's been great for me. And when the people will say to me, oh, thank you. But also they don't get that it's uh, I'm finding as much value in it as they are, because to me, it's it's my way to do something. It's it's my way to uh, be in that giving spirit. Now, I'll do it any time of the year, but I just found mm. it's a perfect parallel to do it at this time of the year. And to again say thank you for the support because some of the people post on the page some of the people will send me positive messages and say i really enjoyed this episode um i noticed what you did here where you uh mixed in some music and it's all those little things sometimes i don't think that everyone appreciates it only takes mm. that one message of encouragement to say somebody is listening mm. ironically this you're talking about here what comes wrong goes wrong you know, karma, yoga, yeah. whatever, generosity. It's actually the grounds for the what's called a new business. Because in the old days, the business model was scarcity. Right. Uh, tramp, uh, you know, step on your competitor, <laughs> uh, you know, hold back information, fight for your uh, customers, deceive them, you know, uh, trick them, uh, get them desperately, whatever, get the money and then fuck them. Yeah. Uh, and then it uh, evolved to the customer's always right, service, blah, blah, blah. But the new business is all about generosity, re re what is it probably the right word? But uh, for example, read a book. Everybody who wants to start up a new venture yeah. in this day and age re needs to read a book, Rework. It's called Rework. Rework. Yeah. Uh, you could also listen to Eben Pagan. Eban Pagan, who is known under the, uh, the moniker David Angelo when he did his life coaching stuff in okay. terms of dating and stuff. But his real work is the, as a 
financial business uh, and and he's all about the new business and that's the new business you'll you'll notice it yourself if you listen to my shows i have or maybe those are the shows you you haven't listened to but i have uh, after a while now started to have on a few uh, people in the field obviously i need a reason to but for alex for example of skeptical he published a book called why science is wrong about almost everything which is why i could have him on right about uh, right and i've had um, a dark journalist on i've had rachel pigtails on and uh, jaffe Ryder, and so um, i don't mind like okay alex has me back on uh, dj never had me back on and i don't mind that because uh, there's no reason for him to yeah because Right, but there is a reason for me to have him on because I have a different format, so we could discuss those things, and that's what it's about. I, I wouldn't think like, oh, he hasn't had me on, so now <laughs> yeah. I'm losing and he's earning. No, yes. it doesn't work like that. I earn for every pe- person I have on. I earn myself, yeah. and if they earn in addition, that's just great, and that's the new business. So even if we didn't want to be generous. Uh, we would be clever by doing it like that. Yeah. So, and, 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 and for me, like you, you have me on your show, okay? Then uh, your listeners, both the, those you have now and those who come in the future, will be aware of my product too, right? And so they may, if I do a good job of enticing them and being interested enough, then okay, you can come over to my show. And of course, it goes the other way too. People who listen to me who are interested in hearing me speak because I don't do solo shows. Right. They have a chance when people like you come along interviewing me. And then I can point them to to that show. And so everybody earns this more than enough for everyone to yeah, go along is my point. Yeah. In terms of economy, it's called an open source economy. In terms yeah. of science, it's called an open system energy. And that old model of uh, scarcity, the, the corporate, <laughs> corporates world still has that model. Yes, that's because they never create anything. They are sharks. All they do is consume. Yeah. They are like they pillage. They are like um, parasites. Yep. So they buy up or they um, bribe or whatever a product. They take over something that works, and they try to crush the other and they scout for more they can consume. But they never innovate, they never create. That's why, you know, the best movies are always something original, not not yeah. from the suits of Hollywood. Because it's the same principle there. It's the open source model versus the tyranny control grip model. No, uh, definitely. I I mean, to me, that, I, again, I've, I've had quite a journey in my life. I'm not going to say I've always... Mm had this outlook on life of course we we all change we all change our perceptions and our paradigms over our lives but yeah to me um, very early on uh, that's what i didn't want i didn't want other programs to look at me as quote unquote the competition we're all in this if, if you're a good person and you do a good product it's just the way that i look at it is just like your job so if you're working a nine to five job I used to get it all the time from people. They go, oh, aren't you worried about being replaced? And I'd say to them, well, if I do the best that I can and I provide value, then I'll mm. succeed. I'll thrive. Very, very similar outlook to you, Al, as far as the, the libertarian 
um, not necessarily the whole philosophy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 that's the whole thing to me is if if you if you provide something that people enjoy and show value in, it might not happen overnight, but people are going to recognize that, and there's plenty of room for all of us to thrive. All of the exactly. you know quote unquote good people, the people that mm-hmm. are trying and not just jumping in. I cannot tell you how many times in those podcast forums, and you can tell some of the the real kind of old dogs in there really getting aggravated with it. People will hop in there and they will say, oh, I've launched six episodes. Uh, how do I monetize? You know, <laughs> these, these guys are just, they're, they're trying to bite their tongue, you know, to, to not say that, look, um, if you started this to make money, you started the wrong thing, number one. Number two, grow your brand, do what you do, make it better, make it better. And I've had some other people kind of message me off to the side and go, oh, well, how viable is this? And I say to him, look, all of the good podcasts that I've ever listened to and the good content providers, just to get to the point where they can kind of run the show at a uh, uh, neutral line, not cost, uh, then, you know, you're talking really, at least in the old days, three to four years. Uh, it's not mm. going to happen overnight. Um, so, And the other thing is, like I'll tell people, it doesn't matter if you get Trump on or uh, Nancy Pelosi, or don't think that a big fancy guest is going to be the silver bullet yeah. that makes you Joe no, Rogan. It, yeah. it just doesn't work yeah. that way. No, no, no. I mean, Rogan has many unknowns uh, too. Yeah. And always had. So, no, it's not about the big guests. The, then go over to the corporate media with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like you say, I, I mean, a lot of people are still going to be. You, you can't fault them when, when they've grown up. And I, I mean, basically what we're doing is, is a fairly recent development. And when people are 30, 40, 50 years old and their whole life, as you were saying, they know the mainstream media. They know that's kind of how you get ahead. Uh, you need to get on. Uh, you need to be that front man for the, uh, for the news outlet, whoever it is. An interesting point I completely forgot uh, I was going to mention about that uh, mainstream media I laugh because here uh, we have a very small media base, as you would expect, but we have three Mm -hmm. channels that do nightly news. So in the U.S., they have like local and then national news. Here we just have national. But I've Mm -hmm. had people say to me, oh, that I like I like channel two or I like channel three or I like channel four. And I'll say to them, well, it's all the same. It's just the faces. Well, what do you mean? (laughs) And I've told them, tune in. Okay, let's say uh, today you had uh, a massive car wreck. Turn on channel two and record channel three. Watch channel two and then go back and watch channel three. And verbatim, they're saying the same script. It's just the way they present it. They're literally reading it off of the teleprompter, the same as on the other channel. And it's owned by another uh, company. And that's what, oh, but it can't be. Oh, well, just do your own research. That's, that's all I'm saying. And yeah. it's the same on the international Did you see scale. that meme? Yeah, did you see that meme uh, of Sinclair? Uh, media corporation no I haven't seen that uh, one one of the big ones well there was this meme it starts with one uh, news actor reading the news and then another one and another and another and another and they're all spinning the story in the same way because they get talking points from uh, the top we know that now Yeah, yeah. Um, before we didn't know it was that bad and eventually that meme ends up in 50 different screens next to each other, timed perfectly, where they all say the exact same thing like a huge choir. And that's supposed to be 
uh, news media for you. You you must see it. It's it's fantastic because it's it's not that we never knew this, but it, yeah. it's so blatant. Yeah, it's such an artistic expose of it. It's worth seeing. It, it's interesting. Some of those things that people have always said. Oh well, that that can't be true because it's too extraordinary or it's too high of a level or. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that it, the perfect example is when people talk about something like. JFK or mm. 9/11 or a false flag. Oh, it's impossible because too many people would have to know about it. Well, mm. I, I brought this case up. It's slightly different, but the one with Area 51 and those uh, contractors who worked there in the 80s and 90s that were burning toxic waste and everything else. Now that was mm. covered up. The Agent Orange debacle in Vietnam. All they did was misdirect, misdirect, misdirect. First they said, mm. "Oh, Agent Orange is harmless. These guys are making it up." Then the doctors come out and say they've got neurological deterioration and it's happened from your chemicals and this is why. Then the next thing was, oh, well, they weren't even in the area when we were doing the dropping uh, and just constantly yeah, shifting but, the hey, sand. Hey, you have the master, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but you have the master argument you can always go to and that's the Manhattan Project. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> classified, involved thousands and thousands. So, no, no, that that argument is just a uh, stupid talking <laughs> point that someone has fallen for. It's not worth being raised in intelligent discourse. Well, you've got Manhattan Project, you've got the uh, the SR-71, the Blackbird, the Stealth Bomber, all of that stuff. Yeah. At the time, yeah. they, I, I, I can remember the Belgian wave um, that were these triangular craft. And I remember at the time that was one of the things that was floated. Oh, maybe it's an experimental craft from the U.S. Oh, nobody can, nobody could keep that secret. And then <laughs> here we go, Gulf War, nineteen ninety-one or so. Hey, yeah, we've got all, these again. It's, it's it's what I pointed out earlier that the veneer of the old media is still lingering on. Oh yeah, uh, and it's the same here. They think we live in a society <laughs> where. There's mechanisms for truth, where there's accountability, where there's justice, where a whistleblower will be listened to. They don't understand that criminals have taken over the world. Not just just disregard even what I quoted to you earlier about this elite group. Just by those who already are in power, they are unaccountable and they reward each other and. Uh, people are failing upwards. If you're one of those incompetent mouthpieces of the establishment who were saying that Assad were gassing his own or that Iraq had ma weapons of mass destruction, etc., you were premiered, you were rewarded. Yeah. Those who said the truth back then were booted or demoted. That's how the system has been working now for, well, at least since the 2000s. Uh, and uh, I mean, it began a little before, but it's been systematic. That means that there's only crooks left in power all over, uh, and they're ass kissers under them. I mean, there is uh, one or two occasional idealists here or there, probably an Asperger or something who yeah. doesn't have it in him to be corrupted. But <laughs> the norm is that people are, I mean, the whole system is br is, is based on bribes. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do they imagine that someone in them should and and, and uh, be be pure and um, 
untouched. And yeah. then at the, other, at the same time, they don't understand why the police are like cracking the heads of, you know, the smaller uh, person, the more the brutality of the system comes down on you. Did, if you cheat on the taxes, <laughs> God damn it, we're going to take you. Because yeah. we need those money to manufacture more war yeah. that will cost our country lives and expenses, not even taking into account the poor uh, victim country, but nobody will earn from it except the oligarchs. Yeah. They will actually benefit in terms of... For everyone else, it will be expenses. That's why you need to... But if one of those guys on top... Uh, I mean, they don't even pay taxes anyway. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, you know, that's how the system is. And then you you have these naive cretins co coming, walking about and saying, oh, Oh, I would be informed about it. When was the last time you were informed about anything? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, when was the last... But honestly, not just... Uh, when did the media inform us of anything? I guess they informed us that there is a pandemic and there's a lockdown. We can give them that. They had that basic function of orientating us about, you know, that part of reality. But in general, we're not being educated or enlightened at all. Things are covered up. I'm sorry to sound so dystopian, but it's all a matter of evidence, and, and everybody yeah. who looks into anything will find out these things. So it's not it's not rocket science, folks. It's just our normal, ordinary world. The the real challenge is when you and me delve into the unordinary world, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> even less yeah. well, things to relate to there. So you, there, you really have to have an open mind. You can't be, <laughs> you know, make opinions about stuff that really isn't all, all that set in stone to begin with so well to me go. al that's really been the kind of surreal thing about all of this uh, maybe if i was a little bit older when i was introduced to the kind of stuff but when we were in school you know reading books like 1984 in as part of the curriculum and reading books like animal farm and uh, uh what was fahrenheit 454 and now you mm. look at it and we're three quarters of the way down the track towards something like that it's 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 not the joke that it was back then because that was always the no. question. Oh well, that that can't happen in uh, modern society. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe yeah, the years. I remember, wrong, I but... remember the Christian fundamentalist um, conspiracy theories like, oh, the the number of the beast. He's going to yes. make a chip and he's going to take the chip implantation under our skin. I always thought that's so retarded. And now I just read on the website of Bank of England that they want uh, to have uh, economy, which is a blockchain-based, centralized blockchain, which I understand is kind of the opposite of cryptocurrency anyway. So they want that, and they want it to be tied to UBI. Right. And that uh, be tied to... Um, you have to take a vaccine. <laughs> I mean, what does all that... All these things have to do with each other, right? It's amazing. And on top of that, all, and all this shall be worked out with an implant under a ship implanted yeah. in your skin. <laughs> it, 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 like they're even going further than the Christian uh, evangelist conspiracy theory did uh, 30 years ago. They're going further. I mean, they're tying it to UBI, you're becoming an economic slave, you, they're tying it to. The death of cash, everything is yes. controlled by their computer, and they're tying it to vaccines even. So, yeah, there you go. You can't make it up. Well, I, Reality I, is never 
better than. I mean, fiction <laughs> is never better than reality. Well, some of some of the articles that I've seen in the last, especially this year, because obviously I've had the time to um, uh, digest some of these things more than I did when I was uh, out uh, yeah. working all the hours. But some of these articles, you read them and you really, I think to myself, this can't be, you know, this must be from uh, tabloid or, and then you start mm -hmm. reading into it. A perfect example was actually um, off of uh, Dr. Farrell's website. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a member over there, and he had posted up an article about fifty billion pounds sterling uh, missing in the UK cash, and mm. basically the the government came out and said, "Oh well, we want the Bank of England to explain this." And the Bank of England just really came out nonchalantly and said, "Well, uh, there's no requirement for people to tell us that they're holding money, so we don't really care." And um, yeah. but but again, it it just and I use that as a bit of a segue because again, some of these topics, as we talked about, not throwing people straight in the deep end and going swim. I've, I've tried yeah. to slowly start uh, reading some of these yeah, articles. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I think a couple of times during this interview, I I did that, but uh, oh, I, I think we mashed it enough with uh, disclaimers oh, that's, elsewhere. So. Yeah. Al, that's why you're here. This is exactly why I wanted to have you on. Was a bit of a segue, and who who better to deep, ask deep than you? Swim, uh, deep yeah. swim, coach. That, that, yeah. that, okay. that's but it. go on with your reasoning. You were yeah. in the middle of a thought. <laughs> well, uh, that that article, for example, and we start talking about, for example, the the money that went missing in the Pentagon just before nine eleven, and right. obviously the looting of Europe by the Nazis, the the looting of Asia by the Japanese. And it just goes on and on and on. I mean, those are the ones yeah. that are fairly recent in our history. I mean, I'm sure there are ones that we'll never know about. And then yeah. there was another article that was before I was doing the program, but it's either in Sweden or Finland. It's not Norway, but I, it's either Sweden or Finland. And there was a business there that basically was going to start. They, they were asking their employees to wear a chip and basically under the skin. So not a lanyard or anything and use the chip to clock in, clock out, uh, track their movements. And it, it was mandatory? Uh, from memory, I can't remember if it was mandatory, but I think that they were basically more pushing, oh, this is why it's good for you. And yeah. I'll, I'll find oh. the article, though, and I will send it to you because it just it, it eludes me right now exactly all the details, But I, because people were pushing it out there at the time and going, aha, aha, you know, here, here you go, here's the perfect example. And now, like you say, now is just what you said. Now we're starting to get governments talking about this. And again, that uh, the, the health passport in the UK. So I've I found so many times, and, and I know I'm, as the saying goes, I know I'm preaching to the choir saying this to you, but you'll, you'll get people, you'll get different agencies floating out these things, and then they'll pull them back. And then sure enough, in four or five years, uh, once they've done their research and they've got everything in a line, well, this is the way we're going. We've done our research, and it's just this is what we're going to do. So uh, I, I do find yep. it fascinating when you first hear these stories. Oftentimes, it's coming down the road. Uh, as you were saying, in America, oftentimes it might be 10 years ahead of other places. But, Al, I can tell you, since I've been here, so many things that were happening in the U.S. have slowly crept in over here as well. And um, yeah. it's it's not... For the Americanization. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Everything from just... Some of the cultural things, so the online, the keyboard warrior type mentality, it, it didn't used to be that way so much, but now mm. you, you get people online and 
uh, in like comments in the uh, the the oh, newspaper. Yeah. They're the toughest yeah. guy there. They're the biggest <laughs> trolls there, and and in offline they're incels. Yeah, yeah. We all know all about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it it's I've just slowly seen it creep. Uh, and and of course, look in a world like this world, unless you believe that there is a dome and we've got an ice wall or something, there's there's no separating each country from the other. I'm, eventually, especially with the way the world's connected now, it's it's all going to uh, spread in time. Everything and anything yeah. that's uh, successful or popular will spread faster. But like COVID, <laughs> yes, exactly. Like mm-hmm. like COVID, uh, the first thing and and as you've talked about some of these things, even me trying to keep an open mind, I hear throughout my life, but even recently, some of these theories and stories I hear, I go it, in my conscious mind. I'm going, yeah, right, whatever. And one of them was very early in the COVID uh, thing when it was just basically in China. A friend of mine said, oh, I saw this video and I thought he was full of full of it. And then he sent me the video and it was where they were welding the doors on those apartments shut. So the people were basically quarantined inside so they yeah. couldn't come out. Um, but even then, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, this, this has got to be Missing doctors. Or- yeah, yeah, the mid- in China, <laughs> Cliff High. I had him. No, he didn't say this on the show, but he's in touch with herbalists there who have been abducted and silenced. Wow! But you know how I discovered the seriousness of it, because you remember in the beginning, like you just said, actually, we just heard about something in China going on, right? Right. Um, but I was. Uh, landing, I, I, I came with a plane from Africa. I was landing in Milano, uh, Milan in Italy. Right. And this was, uh, you know, Milan was the place where it came to Europe, right? From, I don't know if, if you don't know it, I'm, I'm telling you that's what happened. It okay. came to Milan and then the rest of Europe. So I landed in Milan and this was several weeks before it came to Milan. And uh, when I uh, went off the plane, we were received by people in uh, moon suits, you know, <laughs> like nuclear s- uh, s- uh, <laughs> plant suits. You know what I mean? And yeah. they were aiming our forehead with a laser. A laser. Wow. I thinking, what on earth is this <laughs> science fiction scenario? Yeah. That was three weeks before they admitted that it had hit Milan. So obviously they knew about it before. Yeah. You see yeah. Because it took three weeks for the media to admit, oh, you know, there's a crisis in, in Milano, everybody has it. That thing did not happen in any of the other airports uh, wow. I visited, neither when I went down to the trip or when I returned. And I were going through like seven, six, seven different airports. Istanbul was one of them. So, bam, they knew about it, <laughs> and which kind of goes against, uh, that kind of goes to the bioweapon thing rather right. than the pandemic thing. But as you say, definitely they, some somebody had tipped them off that this is exactly what's going on. And, oh, well, and, tipped yeah. off. I mean, they, they, it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of they knew. They had patients already and they were desperate for, they tried to obviously measure what's going on, right? Right, right. So... So, and, and they don't want people, I mean, if there were people landing from China, that would be wanting. Yes. But like I said, I landed, uh, once I landed from Brussels, and the other time I landed from uh, Africa. So, wow. 
Yeah. yeah so this was they knew. Yeah. yeah. Supposedly. Yeah, they knew. And nothing in the media by then. Well, but when they couldn't stop it anymore, when it was, <laughs> yeah. you know, the genie no was out. To, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, again, me, me personally, I definitely under, I, I undersold it in my own mind because I really thought. I guess Al, it goes back to. I mean, we've been through SARS, the bird flu, uh, so many other things in the last twenty, thirty years that I thought, well, this is probably just going to be another one like that. And obviously I was I was very wrong. But like I say, once I started seeing money affected, <laughs> then mm. I knew. Yeah, because when you got when you got things like, uh, uh, you know, multi-billion dollar industries, whether it's sports or whatever, entertainment, uh, when, when that starts getting affected. Right. Yeah, you, you, right. you know, they'll put they'll put our lives on the line anytime. So when they start shutting down, yeah, it's uh, probably going to be bad for business if people are dying. So. Which is why I would think they would want to look into, you know, perpetrators here. But I guess when the culture is, yeah, because they're, they're losing money themselves, right? But I guess when the culture is that you're protecting people from failure, you know, you're rewarding war criminals, you're failing upwards on all levels in all institutions, private or, 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 or uh, state then uh, it just becomes the norm, the name of the game. We never go against our own. You know, it's right. like the mafia bosses. Yes. Uh, it, you yes. know, mafia is the best way to explain to John Doe how, you know, blue pill people, how things work. Because a mo different mafia families or, or, or branches will have infighting, of course. There may even be war between them, right? But when they are threatened by an outer enemy, they stick together. Yeah. That's how this works. So if there's a threat of a revolution, if someone comes along who is not a part of the system, then, oh my God, let's, <laughs> let's band together against this. And uh, when someone of their own does something wrong, well, oh, well, that's how it goes. Let's promote the person. Well, interestingly enough, um, and I know I'm probably risking being banned by the... Uh, the Great Firewall of China by saying that, but I mean, this is this is why we're here. The interesting mm -hmm. bit about the whole deal with, um, a as you say, about quote-unquote identifying the perpetrator was that uh, not long before the uh, COVID outbreak kind of shut down the NBA, uh, there was a big controversy because the general manager of the Houston Rockets basically came out and said that he was for the protesters in Hong Kong, and oh... How you could I mean, I wasn't in the U.S. obviously, but from here, you could see the 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 sports media. They were just blasting him and calling you no know, uh, racist and everything else. And basically, he was getting death threats. He had to go into hiding. And the NBA was obviously really aggravated because they've invested a massive amount in China. They've got all these deals with the Chinese Basketball Association, and LeBron James actually came out and defended the NBA and basically defended China. So, mm. yeah, again, I can't tell what someone's journey is, not standing in their shoes, but mm. I found it very interesting because this is someone who always at least perpetrates his public image as standing up for the little guy and supporting social justice and everything else. And I found it very interesting that as the face, basically the face of the league, it would be just like having Ronaldo or someone you know, trotted out there to defend 
some country that uh, European right. football was heavily involved yeah. in. So yeah, yeah. I, I found it very fascinating. And yeah, this this guy basically was uh, he was put on administrative leave, but they basically said it was for his own good because of these death threats and that. And uh, I just I found it extremely interesting that it was all around the same time as the COVID thing was starting to kick off that uh, this happened. And then of course with COVID, it very quickly got kind of brushed under under the uh, the the news cycle and on to the next thing. Yeah, but yeah. Mm. What, as the old saying goes, um, follow the money. <laughs> uh, always. <laughs> because they say, I don't know how true it is, but it's probably true uh, that people who have had COVID, it's like they have scars on their uh, heart okay. and in the brain too. So it's very they're very damaged even when they survive it. So they want us to not get those uh, manifestations, those sicknesses right. from it. But you avoid that just by being healthy anyway. Yeah. Having a strong immune system, if you can. Not yeah. everybody can. So I totally understand those who need to do it that way. But I can. I have an option. I can. You can. Same. Same so they yeah. shouldn't sh force us to, to risk anything Yeah. when we are safer without and that's the problem. They're tr always treating everything as one thing, you know. Uh, and uh, the world isn't like that. Uh, all sizes fits one, right? Exactly. It, it just doesn't work like that. But if it was a real vaccine where the yeah. virus would be uh, deleted, I would probably be more positive to it. Same, same. Mm. And like you say, I mean, during the um, during the lockdowns and that here, I wore a mask, again, not for me, but for the people, the the elderly, the the people who, as you say, they've got compromised immune systems. Yeah. Yeah, but they also know now that the mask doesn't protect you against being infected, but right. it can protect you, not you, but it can protect against you infecting someone. Right. So if you have it and you wear a mask, you will actually um, limit the impact of your um, infection. I got you. But um, no, uh, I, I think, um, well, I live on the countryside, so I haven't had the use of masks. But where do you live? Wellington? What's no, your... I, I, I live in Auckland. Um... Okay. Because you're reversed than us. The further north you go, the colder it gets. Yeah. And, and the more... Uh... Yeah. And the same, I guess, is true for New Zealand, right? The further south you go, That's the right. colder it gets. Uh, it, it, it's like... <laughs> Only it's... you're an island. We're a half island. <laughs> The South Island is when you see all the lovely photos of the mountains. And in fact, I mean, the, the national park down there is named Fiordland. That tells you exactly what it is. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's right. yeah. Right. And um, it, I haven't had a oh, chance. So you have more indigenous people in the north. Yes. Yes. Mm. And mm. it's very much uh, it's like me. I'm uh, not that I've been out on the reservation or anything, but I'm a quarter American Indian. I'm a typical American. I'm a mutt. So I'm English. The quarter is, uh, quarter is a little bit more, I think, than uh, because everybody brags having some Native American blood. And then, yeah, it's like 3%. Right? <laughs> and, and in America, they actually count that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Classic <laughs> example. But you have 25. So so that's quite something. Yeah. You, you could, you're probably el eligible for joining a tribe or? Well, well my, my father. Um, I haven't seen him for years. Uh, he he was uh, obviously he. So I had I had a quarter from his side and then a quarter from my mom's side. So mm. 
Yeah, that's right. Ah, so you preserve the quarter. <laughs> exactly. Well, he um, but but he used to get like free hunting uh, because in the U.S., if you want to hunt a, a deer or a bear, you need to have a tag, and you pay right. it was like two hundred dollars to get a deer tag. Well, he uh-huh. got those for free, and he had a free fishing license. So it's right. one of yeah, he could prove that he was uh, uh, Blackfoot is the tribe, and uh, the Blackfoot are a very interesting mm. tribe. When people say to me, oh. Oh, it's great, you know, and oh, you're connected to the earth. I said, well, not really. Well, what do you mean? I said, well, the Blackfoot are the tribe in the area that were the first to get their hands on guns, and then they enslaved everyone else. So, um, no. yeah, they weren't exactly your your peaceful farmers. They just were yeah. the first to get their hands on the white man's uh, thunder sticks, and then they uh, they used that to. They basically had a huge area of Canada and the U.S. that was called the Blackfoot Confederation because they just. Basically, it was like uh, could they could just take over everything when yeah. their foes were yeah yeah. Uh, my, my, the extent of my knowledge of uh, that uh, you know American history, natives, Indians, and cowboys and all that is Lucky Luke. Do you know Lucky Luke? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the Blackfoot there. No, they weren't portrayed as the best, the nicest Indians. Yeah. Well, um, it, it look, it, there's lots of people here in New Zealand, Al, I'm sure, that still think that Vikings ran around with uh, cow horns on I helmets. Know, yeah, yeah, But, you know, Vikings are, after all, that's a thousand years ago. We're talking a hundred years ago. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, okay, I'm half an hour over my limit. Oh, sorry, now. Al. <laughs> sorry. Well, it's nothing to be sorry about. It was an absolute pleasure no, talking same. with you. Hmm. Wow, Al, uh, boy, that's an awesome conversation, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the program with me. This is definitely going to be one of those that uh, I'll cherish going forward, and hopefully lots of people will learn some of uh, these things that we've talked about and go and do some of their own investigation. Uh, I've had, like I say, I've really enjoyed everything on Forum Borealis, all the great topics you do and the guests. So uh, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find the forum and how they can support you? Yeah, uh, timely question, because I used to be embarrassed about my website, so I never get it out. <laughs> but now that we're pimping it up, I can f- start with that, <laughs> which would be Forum Borealis in one word. Forum uh, and Borealis, by the way, are both Latin. Right. Forum means uh, medium for exchange of ideas. I mean, in the old days, it would be a public space, right? Um, yeah. And Borealis means northern. It doesn't mean what many think, people think it means. They think it means light because of the northern lights, the right. aurora borealis, right? Yeah. But you know, you have aurora australis. So so obviously the, the, the aurora means light and australis obviously means south and borealis means north. So we are the northern forum, the northern area of, of um, public meeting place or, or exchange of ideas or different meanings that that has. Now, forum borealis in one word. Uh, <laughs> I don't know my own address. Let me check it out. Never right. go there. Uh, I'll put so a link in the show notes anyway, so they can just oh, okay, one okay. one one so, click. Yeah, yeah. So dot net forumborealis dot net. And uh, now it's beautiful. In fact, I think it's now 
erring on the other end of the equation. Now it's too complicated, so it may slow down computers and mobile phones. I don't know. So it may still be unpractical. But at least I think it looks good now. Yeah. And there you'll find the public shows. Now I have to say, subscribers, we never, we do things different uh, than most other shows. You probably know, I don't know how you do it, but you probably know that most shows, they retain either whole shows or parts of a show. Like part one is free, part two you have to pay for. Right. That used to annoy me to no end. Yeah, So same. I'm I'm in the all is for free yes. camp. But I found a, a middle ground there because what we do is that we uh, release new shows to the subscribers, web subscribers first. And after a while, we, when we have had time to make them into video, they will release them on YouTube. Or on a podcast platform. There are more shows on a podcast platform than on YouTube. Because right. on YouTube, we need to make videos for them. And that takes time. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So, you find most in the website. That, that's absolutely up to date until uh, a show I'm releasing probably tomorrow. Including that. So, on the podcast, you'll find... Uh, uh, shows that are to put it like this I think we have 30 shows 30 plus shows on the website not on YouTube Wow! and I think we have probably uh, 20 on the podcast not on YouTube wow okay something like that so, so it's worth checking out all, all of them and please subscribe I I will be right um, after this. Yeah, on all of the channels because that helps it influences the algorithm. So I'm yes. I usually say if you like one show, that's a one off, right? So no no big deal. Don't donate, don't subscribe, don't do anything. If you like two shows, <laughs> you know you're hooked. Yeah, yeah you're on to <laughs> then something. Then there's no excuse. <laughs> At least subscribe. <laughs> No. So, and, and of course, you find, if you go to a website, you find links to our podcast platform or our YouTube platform, or you can, sh of course, just search for us at YouTube or at iTunes or Google Play, whatever you use. Well, that's that's one of the things that I've always remembered every time from the beginning that I started listening to Forum Borealis on YouTube was always the uh, the, pref the preface at the beginning of the episode saying that all of our episodes are free and shall remain free. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, folks, this is and, something and so that... misunderstand, and they attack us. Oh, why do you retain? <laughs> no, no, we don't retain. It's just that it takes a lot of time yeah. to make good videos, oh, get yeah. them out on YouTube. So the, the the principle should really be one in, one out. We promise 10 unreleased show at any given time, plus bonus files, right. just to give incentives, right? It should be one in, one out. But as it is now, it's one in, another one in. Another one in, <laughs> yeah. another one in, and eventually one out. Yeah. And I, I really regret that. So if people want us to release more shows, get on board, help us make videos, and we'll do it. We'll totally re I would like to release 25 shows today if it was possible. Yeah. And that's just, you know, to those who criticize us on YouTube <laughs> for having sold out. <laughs> well, like I say, to me personally, it's hard to sell out when, when you have in the preface when of every one of your episodes. Yeah. yeah. You're not saying, uh, <laughs> well, it's free for now. <laughs> we'll, we'll check back next year. Yeah. So, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, thanks Al. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and making the time and 
you're welcome back anytime, and I'll definitely be listening. I'll be su subscribing right after this, and I'm sure that the listeners would have gained a lot of valuable information from this. This is definitely going to be one of those uh, uh, conversations that, that goes down in, um, in my books anyway for uh, all-time greats. So thank you, Al, so much. It was an absolute pleasure, and, and good luck with your own, uh, and I'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> Forwards.